0: Lord, we need to always draw back upon how much you love us. You love us in spite of ourselves, Lord. And yet, when we ask for forgiveness, you answer that prayer and you respond accordingly. Thank you, Lord, for the teaching, not my words, Lord, but your words that will be spoken during this message. We give you praise and thanks for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you continue to do minister us, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Christian baptism. We're going to be looking at the reason and purpose for baptism and add clarity to how baptisms were performed in the past and how they are to be done today with regard to our Christian faith. Christian baptism is an ordinance that Jesus instituted for the future church after his resurrection. He made the declaration to his disciples and anyone else listening before his ascension. Turn your Bibles electronic devices to Matthew chapter 28. This is a very familiar passage, especially for those of us in our church. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. But we're going to look at why baptism is important. It taught me something as I went over this Lesson. And I want you to understand that it is something that, if it's an ordinance, then we need to pay attention to it and look at it for what it is. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Please follow along in your version. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Amen. Amen. Jesus instructs his church to teach God's word, make disciples, or followers of Jesus, that's what a disciple is, and baptize them. This is to be the practice throughout the church age. We are in the church age. And the church age will continue, honestly, until the rapture. So it's going to continue on. But this is what we are to do whenever we get together in church. So we can see that baptism is something that Jesus commands for us. This is not just an optional thing. It's a command. Something that we need to do. He commands it for us as a public statement that believers in Jesus are making the commitment to follow Jesus and live for him for the rest of their lives. That's the commitment. Live for Jesus for the rest of your life. Baptism was a regular practice long before the founding of the church. The Jews from an ancient time would baptize when a person committed to God in order to show the converts cleansed nature, a cleansing. John the Baptist was baptizing people as a means of getting people ready for the coming Lord and Savior. And it was a symbol of one's repentance. But Christian baptism has a greater significance today. Christian baptism is performed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word baptism simply means, in the simplest terms, to identify. To identify. And in this case, it is to identify with the life and actions of Jesus Christ. It is an outward symbol of the inward commitment that takes place in the heart of the believer at the time of salvation. Now, some of you might be thinking about different ways people are baptized today. I'm aware that there have been infant baptisms, throughout the course of church history. The Bible is silent on infant baptism, and there's nowhere in the New Testament where a baby was baptized. Let's start with that. But it was a practice that was taken up by Christian churches, and around the time of Augustine, it became a standard practice. So today, Roman Catholics... Many Orthodox churches, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Methodists practice infant baptism. But all of this was challenged during the Protestant Reformation in that baptism should have been reserved only for those persons who believe in Jesus Christ. Only for those persons who believe in Jesus Our church practices what we call baby dedications, which reflect a commitment, not for the infant, the baby, who doesn't really know what's going on, except someone's putting some water on their head, but it's a commitment for the family to do what? Bring up a child in the Lord and train him up in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So that burden goes on the parents to raise that child during a baby dedication. That comes from Proverbs 22.6. Raise the child up so that when you teach that child, that child will come up with the understanding when they can account for that of who Jesus Christ is. I've heard of people who have gotten baptized more than once. I don't know the circumstances surrounding the reason to do it more than once, but it may have had to do with The battle that everyone has once there is a declaration to live for Jesus Christ. When you commit to Christ, you have chosen a side. You've chosen a side. And the enemy is on the other side. Baptism is a public way of telling everyone your family, your friends, and even the enemy that you are committed to being a servant for Jesus. So at the end of the day, you don't need to get to do baptism more than once, but I no longer tell people that baptism is unnecessary. I used to tell people that, but that was before I had complete understanding of what Jesus is commanding us to do. It's not a requirement for salvation under Jesus Christ, But it's a command of Jesus to go and baptize. So if you're going to tell people, if Jesus is telling you to go and baptize other people, maybe you should get baptized too, if you haven't done it already. You have to get baptized because you're being obedient to Jesus and his commands. Your life needs to be a reflection of the light of Jesus in today's world. It's fitting to take the time to look at the importance of baptism for us to see that is indeed a public testimony of one's faith. One's faith, believing in Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. I'm deliberately using all of these words because it needs to be clear that baptism is not a substitute for the salvation that only Jesus can provide for us. Baptism doesn't, isn't to be substituted for your salvation. Baptism affirms the testimony of the believer before others. I want you to take a look at the moment when Jesus was making his own public testimony of the official beginning of his ministry. Go to Matthew chapter 3. I want you to look at verses 13 through 17 with me. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And I also learned something from this particular passage. Because we need to see here, too, that Jesus was going to John the Baptist to be baptized. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Also, again, I'm reading from the NIV version. Just follow along in yours, please. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Verse 14, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I learned why Jesus went through being baptized when I did some research on this. First of all, he didn't need to be baptized because he was sinless. Let's start with that. He didn't need to do it because he was sinless. He was and remains holy. He's not like us. Amen? He also did not get baptized as a matter of demonstrating what it is to go through a baptism. There's really not much a demonstration necessary for that. He also didn't do it as if it was some sort of ritual, which is what you can do or turn it into if you really want to. And may I just say that infant baptism is ritualistic. Okay. Okay. The first reason that Jesus was baptized in remaining obedient to the will of his father was to write this down. If you have pens to identify with all of humanity, that's why he did it. That's the first reason to identify with us. He came here for us to identify with all of us. He was completely God, but he was also completely human. He was identifying with us. Jesus noted in verse 15 that he took part for the purpose of fulfilling all righteousness. What did Jesus with his baptism do? It was to identify himself completely with a sinful mankind. Identify with us. Turn to Isaiah 53 and let's take a look at verse 12. Isaiah 53 verse 12. Isaiah is a wonderful book of prophecy. Isaiah does a lot of digging and prophesies about Jesus Christ, the coming of Jesus, what would take place. And this is one of those passages that actually reflects that. Verse 12, Isaiah 53. And I love when everybody is turning to their Bibles and electronic devices because everybody has those, you know, either one or the other. You've got the Bible going with you wherever you go. Keep it close to you. Amen? Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. That's the identification I'm referring to. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for... The transgressors. Who are the transgressors? Us. Amen? Me. You. He did this for you. The second reason Jesus was baptized, he was also baptized as a symbol of death. As a symbol of death. You know, I heard this mentioned this morning, even listening to Dr. David Jeremiah. You know that Jesus came to die? Die for us. And I didn't realize that, you know, the gifts that were given when Jesus came, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know what myrrh is for usually? Embalming. Embalming at death. He came to die. His whole purpose was to come and be here for a time and then die. Go to Matthew 20. I want you to take a look at verses 20 through 23. Now, this will be in the New King James Version because I want you to see something here. Jesus is going to essentially repeat this about him being a symbol of death for us. But I want you to see another lesson being taught here as well, too. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 23. And this is when the disciples, of course, were still being taught by Jesus and still being given instruction. And if you're hanging around Jesus for as long as they have been, these disciples, they are starting to feel really full of themselves. They're starting to feel like, hey, we're important people here. We need to be paid attention to. We need to have some sort of regard being done here. But Jesus is going to teach something here. Verse 20, Matthew chapter 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. That's Jesus. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Verse 22, But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup I am about to drink? and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Jesus' baptism was an identification as to the type of death he would experience. And he did indeed inform his disciples they were going to suffer in the same manner. You know, all of the disciples, save for John, that we know about, were martyred. But they were willing to be martyred, especially when Jesus came back and returned and promised that the Holy Spirit would empower them and give them what they needed to be able to continue to minister and build his church. But we also need to consider the lesson he was trying to teach the sons of Zebedee, that they needed to back away from the aspect of how great they were in the kingdom. Instead, Jesus was teaching them that they needed to serve God with humble hearts. Drop down to verse 26. Serve them serve them with humble hearts. And, of course, I say all of this because I have to remind myself that my service has to be with humility. In order for God to use me or anybody else who comes up on this platform, I have to humble myself before the Lord. No bragging. No saying things like, oh, I'm so special. No, I'm not special. I'm just like you. Verse 26, yet it shall not be so among you. This is the New King James Version. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus came and did for us. And we identify with him when we get baptized, do the same thing. When we commit to living for Jesus, we are indeed changed for the better. He wants us to live as a servant of Jesus, obedient to the Father and sensitive to his will. Baptism identifies the believer with the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In the same manner, we are called to die to self, our fleshly nature, and live for Jesus Christ. Go back to Matthew chapter 16, please. Matthew chapter 16, and let's take a look at verses 24 and 25. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. I'm giving you passages to have you understand This whole thing about baptism is basically saying I'm making a a crossing over into a threshold now where just like Jesus went into active ministry after he was baptized, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We die to self in the moment we declare Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we also continually do so as we live under the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We perform baptism by immersion, which means we're going to completely drop you into an ice-cold pool of water. Just kidding. Now, Jesus did get baptized in the Jordan River, and I don't think it was a warm river, but we're not going to do that to you. Just joking. I'm here to assist you as I will lean you backwards into the warm, comfortable water while you are seated on a step inside the baptismal pool and then lift you up out of the water after a few milliseconds. I promise I won't hold you under. (laughs) I do suggest that you hold your nose closed during the process. The immersion represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The third reason why Jesus got baptized, it was to kick off his ministry and become our high priest. He became our high priest. And we need to understand that the voice of God the Father from heaven and the alighting of the Holy Spirit was a visual and audible confirmation that Jesus would be identified as the one who cleanses us from our sin and reconciles us to himself. That was the ultimate audio-visual moment, wasn't it? Jesus was there, you heard the voice of God speaking, the Holy Spirit coming down. Everybody knew it was like a dove-like figure that came down and alighted on him. Audio and visual. Some of us learn by visual, some of us learn by audio, but we had to see that. We are made clean by the unselfish acts of Jesus when he went to the cross for us. Amen. Baptism means that we are telling the world that we have a new outlook. We have a changed way of how we see life. A changed way of seeing life. Turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this passage is a passage that should be very familiar to you, but we're talking about the ultimate dying to self and living for Christ. That's what we want to see in our own lives. And if you're being baptized, that's exactly what is going to take place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And we're going to read through to verse 21. And again, this is the NIV version but I want you to follow along in your own versions. Verse 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen and amen. God is very intentional. Very intentional. God doesn't operate in a happenstance manner like we do. Sometimes we're pretty flighty. But God had a purpose in every single thing he did because of how much he loves us. Very intentional. Jesus came to earth to live and to die for us. Jesus also came to be our high priest, the one we focus on. As you can see here, baptism represents living a lifestyle as an ambassador of Jesus. And that makes perfect sense as you live missionally for him. No matter where you are or wherever you're going, you are living missionally as you proclaim the gospel. Where is this at? At home in your own neighborhood, at the grocery store, at the department store, As you're traveling on vacation, you're living missionally for Jesus wherever you go. No limitations. Just being ready and prepared to speak the truth. And you'll know when it happens. You know why? The Spirit will alert you to it. Has the Spirit not done that for you? When you go different places, you might all of a sudden somebody might just start talking. Talking about wanting to know more about Jesus, and here you are. You're ready, because you know what to do. And you know how to pray for the other person as well, too. Before we as a church perform a baptism, we spend time with the person to clarify understanding as to what it is to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. We go over a list of verses that talk about salvation, including the crystal clear passage in Romans chapter 10, Verses 9 and 10. Turn to that. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Now, one of the things that we do as a church, we we are trying to make people disciples. Disciples are followers of Jesus, but you know what? Disciples are also ready to speak about what the truth is. If somebody contacts you and asks you what it is to be saved, oh my. Well, you pray about an encounter like that, of course, at first, right? But go over to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And we'll read that together. This is a New Living Translation. Verse 9, Romans 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? That's what you got to do. Verse 10. And it explains why. In verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And there has to be faith in the mixture. Why? Because without faith, what is it impossible to do? Please God. Faith must be part of the picture. That's why we say we're waiting. We're earnestly waiting for God to do something, but we do it with faith. That is a requirement, a requirement. I want to show you something that I recently discovered in Scripture about how it is not a slam dunk that everyone who gets baptized is already saved. And guess where that is? Acts chapter 8. I want you to go to Acts chapter 8. And this is where Philip is ministering to the people in Samaria, but Simon the sorcerer was a big attention getter. Who love flattery and human praise. So you're going to go to Acts chapter 8. And let's look at verses 9 through 17 together. And I want you to see this because if scripture is referencing this for us. It's relevant for us to know this. That yes, there have been people baptized. But before they came to a saving knowledge of Jesus. So let's start reading. Acts chapter 8 verse 9. This is NIV version. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, if you continue on, you're going to see Simon say, Hey, I want this power too and that's when Peter rebuked Simon because all he was doing was want, he wanted to do it for money. He was all about money and gratification. But for our purposes, you can read that on your own. You'll see that as you go further. But I want you to see and understand something about the act of baptism. It's to be taken very seriously by people who are baptized because they have to, number one, declare that they have a saving relationship with Jesus. And number two, that any acts outside of Christian baptism by immersion, which is what we do here at our church, does not assure that a person has complete understanding about what it is to be saved by Jesus. And we just read the passage in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That's how you get saved. Well, not everybody gets that message right away. Not everybody understands that right away. Simon the Sorcerer was all about getting attention, mostly for money, mostly for adulation. Where have we heard this before? What kind of world do we live in? There are people out there who are in it for the money and for the tweets and likes. Philip, while he was proclaiming truth there, may not have provided enough information for people to be clear about the role of Christ. Even when the truth is proclaimed, not everyone readily accepts it. How many of you know that? You can tell somebody the truth about who Jesus is, but not everybody is ready to receive it or accept it. Here's a truth. Just because you don't believe it or don't accept it, it doesn't nullify it. It's still truth. But that's up to the person to decide that. Amen? Peter and John went to Samaria to effectively be the closers. They had to be the closers that brought a number of them to receive the Holy Spirit even after baptism. They said the right words. They gave the right information. The Spirit came upon them at that point. Every believer, in my text I have this in all caps, every believer must acknowledge the heartfelt need for the Holy Spirit in order to live for Jesus. You have to. The Spirit is the one who enables you to live for Jesus. On your own, in your flesh, you cannot do it. You can't do it. The Spirit has to be there for you. The Spirit is the seal that covers every true believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please go to John chapter 10. Jesus makes it very clear as to the people who listen to him and hear him. One thing about Jesus' words, they're not ambiguous. They're spot on. They tell the truth. John chapter 10, verse 27. We're going to read through to verse 30. John 10, verse 27 to verse 30. Verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I trust that the words here affirm the believer in Christ. First of all, for your security. You're secure. Once saved, that's all you need. He takes care of the rest. Because you have a heart for God. He knows who you are. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. He knows you. But we also want to affirm that the believer who understands the sacrifice that Jesus made for him or her, you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. You understand what it is to follow Jesus and identify with him. And you learn that there's no hesitation in making a public declaration of faith in Jesus. A true follower, a believer in Jesus, will not hesitate. Understand that. And we know that Peter denied Jesus three times when it got critical. Critical. And we may deny Jesus at times. But we're as close to forgiveness as saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. And that's how we have to live our lives. Because there are many times we're going to have to repent. Because the enemy wants you to stumble. And falter. But we recognize that baptism acknowledges where you stand. And God is good because of what he did for us. One more passage. John chapter 10. Go to verse 40. Just drop down to verse 40. John 10, verse 40. Jesus was on mission. He asked us to live missionally for him and do the same things that he did. In verse 40, John chapter 10, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Jesus showed up for us. Jesus made himself present for us. Jesus knew the hearts of those individuals who would accept him and follow him. And regretfully, he also knows the hearts of those who will reject him. First and foremost, believers, I want you to continually continue to live missionally for Jesus in obedience to His word. The indwelling Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our helper. That's in John 14:6. He's there for us. And he provides godly wisdom as we go forth. We need to continue to tell the world about the goodness of Jesus. Our new life in him. And how much he loves us. He loves us. He does not want to see the people, the very people he loves, he created to perish. He loves us more than we can quantify. Anybody who came to earth for us to die loves us beyond any kind of measure. There's no greater love than those who give their life for their friends. Let's pray. Lord, your goodness is beyond measure and comprehension. Too often, Lord, we just forget about how good you truly are. And yet, you continue to minister to us, even though we are sometimes just not faithful. And Lord, in this time, we know that baptism, there's no magic serum behind it. There's nothing more or less to it than just representing and identifying with who you are through the ceremony. And Lord, may we live as new creatures. Teach us, O Lord, each day on how to do that. Teach us, O Lord, to throw off those things that cause contention and strife. Help us, Lord, to throw off those things that cause us to gossip and talk about others, the people you created, Lord. Lord, help us to focus on not the things that will push us away from you, but rather do the things that will help us to draw near to you. Lord, help us to be lights. We need to reflect your light in this world. There are many out there, Lord, that need to hear the truth of the gospel. Lord, give us hearts for prayer that we may continually pray for people that we know that we have encounters with that do not know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, make this a daily prayer in our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for how you can teach us in this moment. And Lord, we thank you for those who are coming forward to be baptized today. Lord, you know, as we choose a side, Satan is also watching. And Lord, we pray that you gird these people up and strengthen them and encourage them as they go. And Lord, we don't live in fear. We live in joy because of your very presence. We are not to live in fear. Many times we said during the COVID, faith over fear. And that continues today. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for being here with us today. Bless this church. Bless this people in our midst. If anyone in our midst does not have a saving knowledge of you. Lord, prick their hearts. Touch them right now. Speak to them, Lord. There are many testimonies that are made day after day for people who come to a saving knowledge of you. Lord, may we be your testimony before the world today. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Some of you may have noticed that some people have gone to the back to prepare for our baptism ceremony. You are all invited. We welcome you to come and witness it. Are the other guys coming? Vic? So we'll we'll dismiss you formally, but I'm just letting you know. We'll be in the back. We're just going to go down the hallway and back up, up the ramp and to the left. And that's where we'll have the baptism ceremony. That'll be after service is completed. But we thank you for coming. For those of you who have never been here before, here we are. And we appreciate you being here. Thanks again. It's a great encouragement for those, by the way, that you're here. I'll tell you a short story since we're waiting for them. I got saved in June of 1986 at 26 years of age. And that was after going to a church on the west side of Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland guy, you know. I'm probably the one of the only Cleveland guys around here, right? I, everybody else is usually from Akron, but I was up in Cleveland. And I lived on the east side of Cleveland and I went to this church. Someone told me some Girl that I was talking to, some girl that I was going out with, told me about a church on the west side of Cleveland. Second Calvary Missionary Baptist Church near West 130th on the west side of Cleveland. And I went to church there and I got saved because I I heard, I knew that I wasn't doing right. I knew I wasn't living right. And I knew that I needed the Lord. So I made the decision to accept Jesus as Lord at that time. And I pretty much remember the day and the time when I did it. And two weeks later, At the end of June, I got baptized there. And I was a 26-year-old guy, strapping guy, and all these little kids that were 8 and 9 years old were standing next to me in line in our little robes, ready to get dunked. (laughs) But that was a special time. I invited friends. I said I was just so happy to be in the Lord. And I had some friends that came and watched me get baptized. So thank you to those of you who came. It's a big deal. It really is. And we appreciate you being here to be supportive for them.